Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this Monday episode of Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. So happy to be here with you today after a wonderful weekend. I had an absolute blast. Uh, little Piper was adorable. She had another swimming lesson. Uh, she did very, very well. Uh, we did submersion three, no, I'm sorry, five, five times with zero tears. Yeah, that's been a major development. As little baby Piper has learned how to swim, uh, one, of the, one of the things you do is uh, one, two, three, you dunk the baby. Now, the first time I did that, it was terrifying. And as she came up out of the water, uh, spitting and spewing, uh, she started crying and she wrapped her arms around my neck. It was a heartbreaking thing. But the instructor assured me that, you know, it's all about familiarity. And when she's familiar and comfortable, she will be all the safer uh, when it comes to the water. And so we persisted, and I am happy to report that this past Saturday, uh, five times little baby Piper went under the water and came out happy and smiling. And uh, we're looking forward to, to lesson number four uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, also, over the weekend with uh, Piper, she and I did a little bit of singing, sang some Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and if you make your way over to my Facebook page right now, there's a video that maybe because I'm dad, I think it's the cutest thing ever, uh, but I'd like to hear your opinion and I'd like to hear your evaluation of the pipes on little baby Piper. She does a little bit of singing uh, with dad. It's a cute thing. Have a look at that. And while you're there, you're going to see something else on my Facebook page, something I uh, have a copy of in my hands right now. And it is a document which has been filed with the State Office of Elections here in the state of Utah, in Lieutenant Governor's Office, and it is the 2020 Certificate of Nomination for Unaffiliated Candidate Kanye West for the Office of President of the United States. Come November, if you find yourself in a, in a voting booth or if we go by mail or however it is, how, however you cast your ballot this, uh, this year here in Utah, you will see the name Kanye West as an option uh, for for your vote for president of the United States. I, I, I know you're rolling your eyes right now. That's exactly my reaction, exactly the, the thought I had uh, when I saw this document for the first time. It is a distraction. It is a sideshow. It is nonsense. It is either an exercise in, unfortunately, mental illness or vanity or some combination thereof. Uh, but it is the reality we're facing right now here in Utah. And if nothing else, it is fascinating uh, to look at this document uh, to see uh, where it reads, I, Kanye West, declare my intention of becoming an unaffiliated candidate for the political group designated as unaffiliated for the office of President of the United States. It continues, I do solemnly swear that I can qualify to hold that office both legally and constitutionally if selected. 
absolutely fascinating. Uh, and then there's some requirements uh, about kind of you must be a natural-born citizen of the United States, 35 years of age upon taking the oath of office, resident of the U.S. for 14 years. Then there's the filing fee of $500. And together with this document, we also uh, learn uh, formally and officially here in the state of Utah with whom he will be running, who he has uh, declared as his running mate. It's a woman named Michelle Tidball. Uh, she's one of those life coach uh, types with uh, some spirituality mixed in there. We on the program today, before we say goodbye, we'll be speaking with the state director of elections, Justin Lee, uh, who confirmed to us that, in fact, uh, Kanye West has qualified to be on the ballot here in Utah. We're going to learn a little bit about uh, the filing process, and then we'll take some time to look at who exactly is this vice presidential running mate. Who is Michelle Tidball. Plenty of program between now and then. We're going to be looking at what life is like as uh, someone living in an RV. That is a, a decision that many families and individuals across the country have made during this coronavirus era. I, I bring it up and I'm attracted to this topic because between you and me, I'd like to give it a shot myself. Yeah, I, I'd like to give it a shot. M maybe I will. Maybe I'll propose to the big bosses here that they uh, they let me go off on the road for a month or so with my family and I could uh, broadcast a little bit of this live mic program to you from uh, the four corners of this great country and we'll do it from an RV because that's the experience of so many people. We're going to talk to uh, the owner of an RV place. We're going to talk to a family who has been on the road for some time uh, and look at really what is the lifestyle of those who have made uh, this irregular decision in these irregular times. It's a fascinating thing. Also, of course... Of course, school's back in session. Uh, Murray School District is uh, wrapping up their first day right now, as well as the Wasatch School District. We'll be speaking with representatives from both of those schools, touch base, see how day one has gone. It's uh, an interesting thing. It's a scary thing, sure. A lot of unknowns. See if those uh, protocols and procedures which have been put in place by the school districts, if they uh, have served today to calm some of those fears. How, how have the students done? How are they? How are they uh, in terms of uh, abiding by the guidelines put in place and the rules? And teachers, how are they? We've heard much from the teachers. And there's some uh, legitimate concerns and fears held by them. How, how have they done today? We'll find out on today's program. But to kick things off, to kick off the program formally, I need to talk to you about the USPS. We walked through some of the details uh, on Friday before we said goodbye, but there have been uh, some significant developments. And I have uh, gained much more clarity on the situation as it is. And the truth is what we are witnessing is the unfortunate collision of poor, misguided communication on the part of the president and political opportunism on the part of Democrats. Now, what do I mean? Those are two pretty big statements. In terms of uh, the, the poor communication on the part of the president, that has to do uh, with, with that money. You know, the, the two numbers which he shared on Friday and on Thursday, uh, he says the, the Democrats are demanding uh, $25 billion, uh, and then later a, a smaller sum of uh, $3.5 billion for elections. Y you see, the, the way that has been discussed uh, is a little misleading. The way that it's been debated is misleading. And we'll get into those details in a moment. But now to the political opportunism I, uh, I claim the Democrats are engaged in. Well, 
To understand that, you, all, you only have to look at the calendar. Look at the timeline of events right now. This week, right now, is the kickoff of the DNC convention. And at the same time, chairwoman of the House Committee on Government Reform and Oversight is claiming that there is an urgent, urgent need for the committee to assemble, to call before that committee, uh, the leader of the post office right now, the postmaster general, uh, this man who has had so many accusations hurled against him uh, due to his relationship with Donald Trump and his own business dealings. Well, that urgency turns out it's not so urgent because eh, it could wait till later. It could wait till after the convention. Yeah, yeah we, we don't need to get to it today. No, 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 no. It's so urgent uh, that we, we can put it off for a little while. And while that is shaping up, the people you are seeing uh, weigh in on this are not helping. Those who are, uh, quote-unquote, in the know, those on the front lines, those uh, speaking to us from the swamp, uh, there's a lot of confusion coming out of those groups. Let's uh, run through a few of these. We'll take a quick break and jump back into it. Mark Meadows, chief of staff of the White House, says uh, that there is a danger in trying to implement a new method of voting so close to the election. This debate is really over a process. A number of states are tr uh, now trying to figure out how they're going to go to, to universal mail-in ballots. That's a disaster where we won't know the election results on November 3rd. And, and we might not know it for months. And, and for me, that's problematic because the Constitution says that then a Nancy Pelosi in the House would actually pick the, the president. Now, that goes a little far. The, the, the likelihood of Speaker Pelosi picking the president is, is unlikely, all right? Uh, even even uh, in the worst-case scenario regarding uh, these mail-in ballots. Uh, but uh, but there, is some, there is something important to understand in what Mark Meadows just said. He made a distinction between uh, two responsible parties, all right? Much of the blame, much of the focus right now is on the USPS, and its ability to accomplish this election, should it be uh, fully mail-in. But he also made mention there of states and the responsibility that states have, and therein lies the potential uh, for uncertainty and fraud. We're going to get into those details even further next, after the break on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. Now, let's jump right back into it. I want to give you a taste of the confusion that is being sown between the two sides of this USPS issue and mail-in balloting and all that. And then uh, once the, the confusion is, is presented, we're going to sort it out. So let's jump right back into it. Bernie Sanders says there's great danger in requiring people to go to polling locations to vote. Here's the senator. We're in a pandemic now, Mr. President, and people should not have to put their lives on the line and get sick and maybe die in order to cast. Another voice, White House advisor Jared Kushner has this to say. I think what President Trump wants is a fair election. If you have a tried and true system where they've been doing it like absentee ballots, where there's uh, some security mechanisms built in, uh, that's totally acceptable. That's a great thing to do. But you can't have a new system being tried where there's not the right time to do it and expect them to get it right and then expect that Americans will have confidence in the elections. Senator Booker. Voter fraud is incredibly rare. And when it's done in absentee uh, ballots or in mail-in ballots, what the great the reason why it's so easy to find out is because you literally have a paper trail. Another White House senior advisor, Jason Miller, has this to say. Everyone remembers the hanging chads in Florida in 2000. Imagine that in 10 or 15 states across the country. Okay, remember that point for a moment. And then we're going to wrap this up here. here. Here's Mark Meadows again on the importance uh, to remember that the president wants people to have a chance to vote. 
the president of the United States is not going to interfere with anybody casting their, their vote in a legitimate way. Okay. All right. Now, here is what needs to be sorted out. We need to first understand uh, the, the post office and its capacity to do its job. All right. There have been many, including coming from some of the voices you have heard, those uh, particularly on the left, who say that this Herculean effort of securely and safely handling a, a nationwide all-mail-in ballot uh, election will require a mountain of money. Well, I'm sorry to say that's untrue. Last week, Postmaster General said that uh, the, the post office is right now, under current circumstances, wholly equipped to handle the volume of mail that would be associated with a mail-in election. It doesn't make sense. The post office each year puts out an annual report. In fiscal year 2019, the Postal Service handled 142.5 billion pieces of mail. 142.5 billion pieces of mail. I, I didn't make a mistake there. Billion. Okay. The report says that on a typical day, our 633 million, or I'm sorry, 633,000 employees physically process and deliver 471 million mail pieces to nearly 160 million delivery points. All right. 471 million pieces of mail are delivered daily. Now, this year, of course, uh, 2020, that number will be a bit higher, uh, but not much, uh, but a bit higher due to census forms and stimulus checks. Those uh, together uh, added about 450 million additional pieces of mail. Remember, the daily capacity is 471 million. So, Census forms and stimulus checks together do not even equate to one day of the typical uh, operations of the Postal Service. Now, let's turn back the clock a little bit. 2016, there were about 136 million Americans who voted in the presidential election. All right, either in person, by mail, however, but there were 136 million uh, votes cast in 2016 in the presidential election. That number expected to be a bit higher this year. But with that number in mind, if officials sent ballots to every single American registered to vote, that would be about 158 million people. All right. And then 140 million people return the ballots. That in total is about 298 million pieces of mail handled over the course of several weeks. Now let's go back again to that daily number for the post office, 471 million in a day. And the added incursion of work to execute a holy, a holy mail-in election would equate to about 300 million pieces of mail. That is well within the post office's capacity to handle uh, over an election season. In fact, it's within its capacity to handle in a single day. And so what is this? What, what, what is this that we need $25 billion 
or $3.5 or $6 billion to boost up this system or this process or to ensure that it can happen? Well, it's because it's nonsense and those two numbers are disconnected. They have nothing to do with one another. The $25 billion is this. The post office, as you know, uh, has been in decline for a number of decades now. Why? Email. All right? <laughs> it is that simple. Email. Letters aren't sent like they used to be. All right? Snail mail is a thing of the past. All right? Today, it is much less prevalent uh, for uh, communication to happen through the post office. That is uh, basic common sense, and we've known it for decades now. And so, with that, uh, revenues have fallen off. Also, uh, there are some pension obligations that the uh, post office must uphold. Yeah, that was due to Congress. Thanks a lot. Uh, and they uh, are very strained because of that financially. But, but on their current trajectory, they can operate with no problem uh, for a few years to come. Those $25 billion, uh, which were, uh, were included in some legislative proposals, that's essentially just to uh, bail out the post office. It doesn't need it right now to, to maintain daily operation. It wouldn't need it uh, to execute uh, the, the election in November. Okay, fine. So that takes care of the $25 billion. That is just because of general uh, troubles with the, the post office in terms of uh, the management of its finances, uh, revenue, operational expenses, all that jazz. Okay? In fact, if you go to the legislative language, uh, you will read no mention legislative language drafted by Democrats, mind you, you will find no mention of elections. $25 billion has nothing to do with elections. No one believes that. It did seem a little confusing when the president connected those two numbers, the elections and the desires of Democrats, and it being a challenge uh, to execute the election uh, in the absence of the $25 billion. He was just wrong. And that, as I mentioned in the first segment today, is the example of poor and misguided communication on the part of the president. But that doesn't change the reality of things. Now onto the $3.5 billion, the other number the president has mentioned, that's not for the post office. Yeah, uh, the, the $3.5 billion that Democrats are calling for is not for the post office. It is, in fact, uh, destined to be divvied up and sent out to states uh, so that they might uh, be better financially equipped to handle uh, the elections in a mail-in fashion. All right? And so why is it uh, that we are hearing all of this back and forth? Why is it that the post office is in the crosshairs of Democrats right now? Well, because it's political opportunism. Because you can, due to the confusion on this issue, on a very superficial level, make a quasi-case for why the president deserves these fingers being pointed at him uh, for undermining an election to secure himself uh, a seat at the table, specifically the table uh, <laughs> located inside the Oval Office. T time is tight right now. I, I wish I had uh, longer to speak with you on this issue. I do want you to hear from the president, though, because he today uh, has spoken out on this. Uh, so here, real quickly, is what the president has had to say uh, today uh, in Wisconsin. We'll take care of the post office. We want to make sure that the post office runs properly, and it hasn't run properly for many years, for probably 50 years. Now, there is this other character in the story, Postmaster General. 
Here's what the president had to say about the postmaster general today. I have encouraged everybody, speed up the mail, not slow the mail. And I also want to have a post office that runs without losing billions and billions of dollars a year, as it has been doing for 50 years. Time is tight, and I don't have time to explain it right now, but you've heard about those operational changes, which many have claimed are slowing down uh, the operations of the post office. Look into those. If I have time later, I'll share them with you, but it's not so cut and dry. There has been a very smart effort to speed up the post office. Those are the operational changes in place. And this attack on the post office, on the president, and on the postmaster general is nothing but political opportunism. Quick break. Back with more on Live Mike.